on the Healthy Steps show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good morning, my dear listeners, and to all you radio vagabonds out there, and welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show here on WMNF Tampa, the only radio station that they listen to at Millaway's, the restaurant at the end of the universe. Today's show is, again, dedicated to you. It's the Ask Me Anything edition of the Healthy Steps Radio Show, the pure, uncut stuff, because it comes directly from you. Today is not the day to be the shy wallflower. There is nobody that can ask your questions as well as you can. And there is nobody that can answer the questions better than Dr. Harvey. So, you know what to do. If you have any medical questions, give us a call at 813-239-9663. Or you can send an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Well, Dr. Harvey, I'm pretty proud of myself. Yesterday was Easter, so I got on up impressively early and gathered up all the chocolate bunnies and yellow peeps before my kids awoke. I felt that it was incumbent upon me to remove all those confectionery temptations that are so horrible for their growing bodies at such a tender age. And who better than their loving father to give them a quick lesson that the road to good health frequently has a few stones of inconvenience along the way. Understandably, I have a significant sugar rush going on today, so let's get this show on the road, shall we? What have you got for us today, Dr. Fred? Well, good. Happy Easter Monday to you. It's a glorious spring morning, eh? It certainly is, and a happy post-Easter and beautiful day to all of our listeners as well. And to you there, doctor. How are you doing today? I'm doing well and uh, looking forward to some good questions today. Excellent. That was an interesting discussion that uh, Amy Goodman just had. On the abortion rights, yeah. Yeah, we have some struggles here in this country where there's a lot of delusional people that think they have the right to control other people's access to health care. It's really bizarre. I, I don't understand where they get the idea that they can employ, impose their religion and religious delusions on the rest of us who actually don't necessarily believe the way they do. And it's it's kind of frightening that we're moving towards this world where people think that control is their right. That is so sad. Sometimes I just throw up my arm and mumble under my breath, people. Seriously. Well, we're working towards solutions, though, obviously, because there are people out there thinking it was actually quite creative for um, the Washington judge who is in a time zone an hour after Texas to watch what the Texas ding dong did and erase his delusion by saying, no, you can't do that. <laughs> but now we have two legal precedent or two legal decisions that are opposing each other. And does that neutralize them? I don't know. But uh, I guess the, the courts will figure this out. Um, but it's it's really sad that. Um, there are so many delusional judges that think that they can rule this way. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the discussion went a direction that I thought was rather interesting. Um, Amy Goodman and her guest at one point were implying that um, this is terrible because um, the FDA bases its decisions for approvals on science. And frankly, actually, I think 23 years ago when mesoprostone was um, um approved, I believe that science was much more involved, but I don't know because, you know, we didn't have the information 23 years ago that we do now that the FDA is tainted. 
and that it is really should be renamed the Financial Drug Administration because its goal is the finances of pharma. <laughs> and um, I say that because we know we have evidence in 2021 that the FDA commissioner overrode the scientific um, um, panel that was evaluating an Alzheimer's drug, and he decided to approve it because somebody might want to buy it. Therefore, the FDA has given approval to a drug that doesn't work, has complications, costs $63,000 a year, Medicare will pay for it, and yet it's false hope. So we're going to fleece our tax coffers for uh, providing money to a pharmaceutical company and give people false hope, which is one of the worst things you can possibly do to a patient is tell them something's going to work when you know well it doesn't. And so their argument about this is actually questionable. You know, is it really that the judge overrode something that was science-based? Probably. But I think that we do need to evaluate this. And I think more and more judges are going to be involved, more and more lawsuits are going to be involved in examining the FDA's process. Because I think we're in jeopardy when the FDA actually subverts its process in doing health-related stuff to financial-related stuff. And all of Americans and the world's health uh, actually is jeopardized by these financial decisions. And so we really need to pay a lot of attention. And financial decisions are always an issue because we are at an, a, a difficult time in our, on our planet where, where financial decisions are primary and financial decisions are helping us continue the global onslaught of warming or climate change and all the other stuff that goes along with our disruption of normal process on the planet. What I'm talking about here is a recent study and an ongoing study, uh, many studies actually, that um, are looking at something called particulates. Outdoor particulate pollution is really um, a major problem. Um, as long ago as 2015, it was estimated that outdoor particulate pollution was responsible for 4.2 million deaths worldwide. And we can see the uh, 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 nature of it here in America because there's a large coal power plant in the middle of Texas, one of the largest on the planet. And when it fires up, uh, it pollutes with fine particulates of uh, coal ash that travel up the entire Appalachian mountain chain. And it's estimated there are at least um, 8,000 extra annual asthma hospitalizations due to this coal power plant. So if it times 8,000 by say uh, a $10,000 hospital admission, we're looking that we're seeing that the, the profiteers in Texas that have a power plant that they don't take care of and that they still burn coal at are actually making millions while they're costing us billions in healthcare problems. And so, um, you know, it's fine particulate uh, to to describe it. Coal um, uh, from the power plants, gasoline and cars, chemicals and industrial processes and woody materials and whatever else ignites uh, during wildfires. There are particles that are 35 times smaller than a grain of fine beach sand like you find here on Siesta Key. Um it's, it's really amazing. Um, and, and the ones that are found to be the worst, the PM 2.5, that's 2.5 micrometers across, really, really tiny, they are being associated with more and more problems. And, um, well, in industrialized countries, we've moved away from open pit um, um, 
uh, fires for cooking. But in uh, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, East Asia, um, South Asia, that's where primarily much of the cooking is happening. And so, uh, and also we know that um, in in uh, um, these developing nations, there's a lot less emissions control, and, and we know how horrible um, the the air in China has been. Um, so, looking around the world, we're, we're actually not doing too badly um, here. Good air quality is considered in uh, as far as the uh, United States EPA is uh, defining it 12 micrograms per cubic meter. In Sarasota here, um, we have 56 micrograms. Um, in, um, let's see, do I have Tampa here? Oh, I don't see Tampa handy, but if we move over to um, the uh, uh, Bay Area of California, um, 200 micrograms per cubic meter, very unhealthy range. Um, and that was uh, during the time of the big fires last year. But that's, you know, that's a pale spike in comparison to what happens in India, in New Delhi, 900 micrograms per meter cubed. Um, and, and the EPA's definition of hazardous air maxes out at 500. So this is in the extreme over the top territory. I'm sure it was higher in China at one point. Um, but, um, this is a, a real problem because it does show that um, uh, it's it's increasing uh, across the world. A recent study showed that people of color tend to breathe dirtier air than white Americans. Uh, tends to be inner cities have higher um, um, nasty uh, uh, air because it's just concentrated there. There's so much more happening. Um, the uh, uh, more recent studies, uh, just just one published, um, let's see, July, um, um, and except actually it was, it was published uh, in February, done in July. And it was a, it was a meta analysis and a systemic review. What they do is take, they look at a bunch of different studies um, and and combine them together. Sometimes it's 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 worthwhile, sometimes not. Um, depends on the bias of the individual doing it. And uh, so these people looked at like. 51 studies for inclusion, um, and they found that there is um, a risk that um, uh, particulates, the 2.5 PMs, might be a risk factor for dementia. In fact, it's likely they are. It's been shown in numerous studies. Nitrogen dioxide and nitrogen oxide also are related to this. So these are pollutants from an industry and from uh, uh, burning um, uh, fossil fuels in our cars. And so... Um, we know that there's uh, already an increase in cardiovascular disease, stroke, and um, uh, somewhat more recently now we've got the cognitive impairment. So particulates, we need to pay attention to it. It's an ongoing problem. Um, wearing masks in public, uh, N95s, might actually become a smart thing to do in the future if we continue our particulate increase. And if you travel to India uh, and visit New Delhi or you go to Beijing, you may want to take some good masks along because you don't want to breathe that stuff. And I do believe that this is WMNF, and we are on the Healthy Steps radio show. Absolutely, and your belief is proven true. This is WMNF Tampa, and you're listening to the Healthy Steps radio show with Dr. Fred Harvey, and today's topic is Ask Me Anything. So the door is wide open, 
And I do have Gary waiting, but I'm going to continue and invite you, the rest of you to call on in. The number is 813-239-9663. Irene's in the control room just waiting for your call. You can also continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Let's go on over here to Gary, who's been waiting patiently, as he always does. He's a good guy. Good morning, Gary. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, how are you? First off, before Ben, how are you? Before I Doing well, question, Before I ask my question, I want to tell you, you mentioned that the um, um, the judge in Texas is delusional. Well, guess what? We had a delusional president the last time. We have a delusional governor right now. And we have millions of delusional people. But anyway... Now let me ask my question. Um, my question is: I walked at the Walker, and um, I was um, diagnosed with peripheral neuropathy. I exercise every day, and um, is there anything else I could do to straighten up my legs? Um, have you done physical therapy? Yes, they came to my house. Yes, they did. Physical therapy is exercise, and um, I feel I feel since they go to the gym every day, I feel like I don't know if it's constantly or what. I feel like my legs are getting stronger. Is that all I could do, or could I do anything else? Well, I think exercise is the best thing you could do. You might uh, consider um, some deep tissue massage if you have some restrictions there. Um, um, maybe some chiropractic to relieve some of the pressure because the uh, things aren't working as well because of the neuropathy. And you could also take um, some supplementation to help rebuild nerves, uh, things like um, methylcobalamin or methylated B12 or methyl folic acid um, and uh, alpha lipoic acid and fish oil are all good food for your nerves. You know, I was, gonna, I was just going to say fish oil. You mentioned it. Um, that's because I never took that before, but uh, you know what? I've been thinking about that too. Yeah. I think fish oil, uh, uh, around 4,000 milligrams of the omega three acids a day is a really good support for the body. Um, egg yolks actually have a property in there called choline. Choline helps to rebuild your nerve sheath. And so, there's lots of good food you could do. Uh, exercise is great, um, and and even chiropractic. Sometimes laser therapy. Uh, often chiropractors and acupuncturists have laser that could actually help with uh, peripheral neuropathy as well. I think uh, in the future, after I've taken fish oil and maybe two couple just suggestions you mentioned, I'm going to call you. See how it works. Okay. Okay, do that. Give it a couple months. Okay, I'll see you. All right, have a great day. Bye. But don't wait a couple of months to give us a call back, Gary. You've always had a great contribution to our show. That's true. And you, I'm you. going to challenge you all to give us a call as well. Our number is 813-239-9663 or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And it's a simple reminder, you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And the topic is open. It's to the sky. Ask me anything Monday. Take it away there, doctor.
So, um, you know, the, the microparticulate problem is an issue, and, but we all can um, um, get involved in uh, helping to reduce those problems. So one thing we can do is, um, uh, without having to buy an electric vehicle, which uh, there's a question about how much emissions control that does, since we have to actually power up a power plant to fuel the car. Um, I think it is, though, less than if we all drive gas cars. Um, it's difficult to do that research. Um, but in the meantime, um, if we simply drive less instead of choosing, um, you know, multiple small trips during the day, why not just do one and get it all taken care of? Um, instead of driving a half mile, walk it, take the bike, um, share rides. These are good ways of actually decreasing the amount of particulate we put in the atmosphere. Um, it may be, uh, and this, this is going to touch on some nerves as well, you know, gas stoves are the, the, the chef's favorite, but burning fossil fuels still does put more particulate in the atmosphere. It's less, it's a, it's a very clean fuel relatively, but it's still a, a contributor. Um, the um, uh, use of, of um, outdoor fires, you know, uh, using charcoal actually as a grilling agent is, is going to increase particulate. Using uh, uh, your gas grill is a little less so. Um, having open campfires, definitely. They're, they're fun, but they do contribute to particulates. And we know that in South Asia, Southeast Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, it is the uh, cooking fire that actually is contributing to uh, uh, earlier death in um, um, some of the women who actually hang around the fires because they get... Um, uh, lung disease and lung cancer and things like that that are actually part of the injury of having these particulates around. Um, the uh, nature of, of 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 absorbing them they, they affect they what they do is they cause inflammation. Um, they trigger. Uh, inflammatory process because these particulates are not just inert chunks of of, of like um, you know benign dust so to speak um, you know they come from burning so they, they've got petrochemicals on them they have uh, persistent organic pollutants in them so in addition to having irritating particulate hit your lungs and you have to clear it out you also have the chemicals that that are with it uh, soot is not clean and um, the hydrocarbons there are actually uh, noxious to our bodies and so the um, way we can um uh deal with it if we if we are well one, one of them is we, we could leave leave an area that's that's uh, uh densely uh particulate um but the um uh, that's the, really difficult for most people so what we need to do is clean up the planet we need to really look at these industries that pollute and try to do a better job with reducing that particulate but this, again, is an interactive show. We've only had one call so far today. This is WMNF, uh, the Healthy Step Show. Yes, it certainly is. And I'm going to throw out that challenge, everybody. The number is 813-239-9663. And the topic is Ask Me Anything. So use your wildest imagination. I don't want to make that much of a challenge. You can also <laughs> send your email to dj at wmnf.org. Or text us at 813-433-0885. Back to you, Dr. Harvey. Gotcha. So um, here's an email. Diane says, 
My 29-year-old daughter gets a lot of urinary tract infections, maybe one every three or four months, and then she is prescribed an antibiotic to treat. Is there anything she can do as a preventive? So urinary tract infections indicate that you do have a breakdown in your barrier uh, at the urethra, where your urinary tube basically exits the body. The urethra in women is short, um, you know, maybe half an inch, something like that. And so it is much easier to get bacteria into the bladder and cause an infection. It's very close to uh, an area of moist skin, which contains a lot of bacteria and different types of bacteria can colonize that area, especially fecal bacteria. And they are the ones that often cause the infections, things like E. coli and Klebsiella and things that show up in the stool and not usually the vagina. So um, things that people can do to um, really help with urinary tract infections, make sure they drink a lot of water. You know, you want to drink at least a half ounce of water per pound of body weight per day to flush the system. You also, um, uh, for for women uh, of childbearing age or any age, honestly, um, sex is an issue. Um, rubbing on that area can actually introduce bacteria. So um, uh, women who get frequent urinary infections often find that it is after a night of sex. And so they may want to actually um, do uh, uh, some washing immediately after, urinate immediately after sex, um, uh, maybe even wash before sex to make sure that the bacterial load is lower beforehand. If husband is circumcised, make him clean underneath the foreskin to reduce bacterial load. All of these things can actually help. And uh, also, um, Vitamin C is a very good um, uh, in skin integrity helper, but it also helps with the immune system and it will help acidify the urine, which will help keep lower um, uh, uh, counts of bacteria there. Um, some doctors will prescribe a bacteria to take or a antibiotic to take one pill after you have um, uh, sex to prevent that. Um, and also taking a good probiotic may actually shift the bacteria in your system to a more beneficial group of bacteria that would then potentially reduce any possibility of further infections. I think those things would be all very good to help. Um, and uh, uh, even increasing the amount of water to, you know, um, closer to uh, an ounce per pound if you really have a lot of um, problems with it or if you work outside and get dehydrated. I think we might have a phone call. Oh, we've got more. We've got a little garden of phone calls here. We'll start with Carlos. We've got Jamie and Rochelle. So, good morning, Carlos. How are you doing today? Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, well, thank you for taking my call. Um, You're welcome, Carlos. A, hi. Uh, hello, doctor. Um, hello. I have uh, two questions. One personal and the other one is uh, kind of general as far as what's happening um, yes. in the world. Uh the personal one is that uh, I have a, a low count of uh, uh, red blood cells. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've had um, uh, low counts of uh, blood cells of other types, like platelets and uh, white blood cells. So it's been going uh, up and down, and the most recent has been only the red blood cells. Um, so uh, I went to a, uh, a, a specialist in, um, what do you call it, um, well, like hematology. Basically, they couldn't find it. They couldn't figure out what it was, and uh, and uh, I'm still living with it. Um, you know, it doesn't cause much problems, but uh, 
I feel kind of uh, with no energy, so uh, I may, it may be because of the, you know, the low, low red blood cell count. So how old are you, Carlos? Um, I'm 63. So um, what you described is something called pancytopenia. Pan meaning all of them, cyto meaning cell, penia meaning low. All cells are low. They aren't all low all the time for you, though. And right now you have um, a low red blood cell count. And so that's called anemia. And you can feel um, fatigue when you have anemia. Um, is your um, red blood cell count very, very low? And is your hemoglobin hematocrit low? Or is it just a slightly outside of the reference range low? I believe it's uh, not very, very low. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that probably is not a source for your uh, fatigue. Um, more likely, it's the cause of your low red blood cells. So since you've had all your cells low, I think you have something bigger hiding in the background. This at your age at 63, that could mean you have a bone marrow disorder, uh, one known as myelodysplasia. And if they didn't find that when you saw the blood doctor, then you'd probably don't have that. And it's probably not a genetic disorder. My guess is you have an autoimmune disease or a toxic exposure. You can be exposed to lead and arsenic and mercury, and that can disrupt cellular function and uh, production. Uh, but you could also have food sensitivities. Uh, gluten can disrupt problems. And other autoimmune illnesses um, can also attack your bone marrow. So. I think it's worth it to get a deeper evaluation, um, such as one that a functional medicine doctor would do, looking for deeper things since you've been to the specialist in blood. Okay. Uh, I eat a lot of fish. Uh, you mentioned mercury. Uh, yes. Is, it, is that a possibility? Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Oh. Fish is a, a, a toxic source for mercury, and you can definitely have toxic metals affect your blood count. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, okay, I, I have a second. Um, it's, it's more like a general situation. Um, uh, yes, you, you've heard of um, the eye drops that have been really bad for people that have caused people lose their eyes and even death. So um, I wonder okay, why was were those products in the United States? Um, I believe they were manufactured somewhere else in, in a different country. Okay, I'm not really aware of specifically what you're talking about, but um, if you have contaminated um, eye drops, um, um, such as, um, uh, you know, there could be bacteria growing in it, there could be, um, um, you know, parasites, um, the uh, um, sources is hard to tell, but usually we have a very good um, 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 screening system for getting rid of, of uh, uh compromised product, but whenever you put a, 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 a an invasive bacteria in your eye, it's, it's highly likely that you're going to get um, um, an infection there, and it could actually invade since the, the eye is directly connected to your brain. It could go deep, and you could actually have a fatal infection. Right. Um, yeah, I heard that the um, FDA or whatever, you know, the, the, the drugs uh, authority, uh, they were allowing medicine from India come over and that's what I thought uh, happened because uh, I think the regulations uh, in India are not as stringent and uh, the, the FDA or uh, you know they, they cannot really control what's going on over there across you know all, all over you know the other side of the world 
so no they can't but but they can screen products that come in through customs and check to see if they're okay um and that's generally what happens um occasionally mistakes happen humans are human Mm. okay um all right uh well uh thank you very much doctor you're welcome and thank you carlos for calling on in let's go to jamie in brooksville good morning jamie Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi, Jamie. Hi. Good morning to all of you, and thank you for the show. Um, I have a quick question um, concerning. I've been I've been trying to do some research on it. There's so many pros and cons. Uh, several years ago, I had a condition. Um, basically, it was a retinal hemorrhaging, and they started to treat it as macular degeneration, but it's not exactly what I really had. But they said so that it wouldn't advance, they were going to treat it like that. So for a few years off and on, I've been getting injections in my eye. And everything's kind of stable right now. It's not gotten any worse at the moment, but it's not gotten any better. Is there anything out there, uh, any natural supplements um, that could help eye condition and eye vision? I mean, everyone, when I talk to the doctors, they say, no, none of them really work. But then I, I see some other products on the market, and, um, you know, it says, yeah, you can get your 2020 vision back. So I'm just wondering, what can I do to help at least maintain, if not improve my vision? Gotcha. So there are confused people on, on both sides. Um, <laughs> my former colleagues in, in traditional um, allopathic medicine do not understand anything outside of the illness care paradigm. So when they talk about something not working, they're not necessarily talking about a vitamin not helping you. They just have no clue on that. What they're talking about is that in the practice of conventional illness care medicine, a chemical is assigned a target. And then they study the chemical target interaction in a clinical research. And if they show that the chemical does something to the target that they want to have happen, then they consider it an effective therapy. And so it's a very narrow view of reality and it's kind of delusional because biology doesn't work that way. It just appears to sometimes, and that's why they have to do these clinical studies to see if it has the appearance of working this time. And so when they say it doesn't work, they're what they're saying is they don't know anything about nutrition. They don't understand how the body works. They don't understand supporting systems to be healthier. But they do understand that it's not going to treat the disease that they're talking about right now because it's not been proven to treat that disease because it never was designed to do that. It's designed to actually help a healthy body or help the body get back to health. And so, um, yeah, that's that's really the, the, the problem there. There are things that you can do that support eye health, but they're not going to be a treatment for macular degeneration or retinal hemorrhage because that's not what they do and they never have. And we've never actually in uh, uh, alternative or nutritional or functional medicine talked about it as being a treatment. These are all supports for the system. The system treats itself because we know that our bodies have an innate intelligence that's healing and it wants to get back to health. And if we just take the blocks away and give it some support, it usually does it. And so, yes, you can eat things like blueberries and bilberries, which is the European blueberry. And you can eat carrots and you can have uh, 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 
krill oil that has astaxanthin. Uh, we know that carotenoids, all of those beautiful yellow, orange, and red calamic chemicals are very good for the eye. We know that fish oil is delightful for the eye. And we know that taurine helps support the protein structures of the eye. And we know that general antioxidants help keep the eye happy. Vitamin C even keeps the eye happy. High sugar doesn't. High cortisol doesn't. So if you want to get your eyes healthier, you meditate and get rid of some stress. There's so many things that have an impact on eye health, but it's just not eye illness that we're treating. We're actually promoting eye health, and that's what is the difficulty in communicating between a cogent functional doctor and a delusional disease doctor. <laughs> okay. Got it? <laughs> Yeah, I so I've got I've been eating carrots and all that other stuff. I just I just didn't know if there was a was a product not necessarily as a treatment, but as a uh, a good healthy uh, single supplement that somebody's. There in. there are lots out there that really give you some support, and even that that relatively low level one that they did in the studies, and all the eye doctors talk about uh, the Air Reds plan, it's okay, but there are better ones on the market. If you go to some of the better nutraceutical companies, they've made you know, their own version of Air Reds and kicked it up a notch with all kinds of good stuff. I use one that's called I, capital I, uh, and then Sight, the word Sight, I, Sight. And it's really a nice combination that has all these really good antioxidants and supports that will help your eye be healthier. Okay. That's what I need to know. Thank you very, very much for the info. You're so welcome. Bye-bye. Well, and thank you, Jamie. And rating patiently is Rochelle, another loyal caller and listener. Good morning, Rochelle. Good morning. Hi there. Um, several years ago, I went on a low-carb, low-calorie diet, 1,200 calories a day, 50 grams of carbs, and I was very uh -huh. successful, like everybody Good. is when they follow that diet, and I lost about 40 pounds. When I started incorporating some of the foods that I had cut out back into my diet, I started feeling sick and I went to the doctor and they ran, you know, they went through one test at a time and eventually we found out that I was allergic to wheat, egg white, milk, and corn. Okay. Now, I, I'm, I've been trying to do a little, you know, we're all working and families and everything else, so I'm limited on my time to try and research myself. I'm wondering if gut microbiome has anything to do with that and um, what I can do, it's hard. You know, when you've been able to eat everything your whole life and then all of a sudden you can't eat that, it's a, it's a difficult change. It is a challenge, yes. Um, I've been adapting my diet for the last 25 years. Um, and it does take time and we like things. And I admit, I fall back periodically. I really do a very good job of being gluten-free. Um, but periodically, um, especially in food deserts, like traveling across rural Pennsylvania this summer, um, it was difficult to cobble together a meal that did not include some gluten somewhere because even the sauce is everything. It just, <laughs> gluten is ubiquitous. It's difficult to transcend that drama, but it is possible. It takes work. And I know it's hard uh, when you are a, uh, you have a family to deal with because I did it with my kids and tortured them with disgusting gluten-free pancakes and stuff like that. But um, 
There are so many, many opportunities now around since people have been working on this for 30 years. You can get good quality gluten-free products very easily. They cost more. They cost more than regular product, but they do actually work. Um, and so it's possible to do this. Eggs, probably one of the harder ones for me because it's a great protein source, but egg white is a, a reactor. Um, and the thing is, I'm not certain that you have allergies because you didn't describe you get hives and stop breathing when you eat the food. I think it's probably food sensitivity and those can change. Like if you get rid of gluten, you might actually find that um, egg isn't a problem anymore or that milk isn't a problem. I found that milk used to bother me a lot, but when I got rid of the gluten, milk doesn't bother me. I use raw milk now without any problem. Okay, okay. You know, I, I notice if I eat smaller quantities or if it's incorporated into something else, then it doesn't seem to bother me. Um, but wheat, yeah, I can't get away from wheat bothering me. And it, it, and it makes me uh, feel sick. I can't yes. see that. I'm, I'm scratchy throat. Although it does seem like if I take a Claritin, then I, I don't have as many problems. Well, yeah, you can cover up your own demise, no problem. Um, it's it's a the the road to death is paved with Claritin. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> but you don't see you know, that that like probiotics or the gut health makes that big of a difference in that kind of thing. Absolutely. So gluten will trash your pro your your microbiome and ruin your gut lining. So there's a place to start. Okay, I got it. I got it. I just began to do my due diligence. Yeah, yeah, really. It, it's it, And, you know, um, uh, we functional doctors have figured out that using health coaches is really helpful because people get lost. And health coaches are actually trained to help you find solutions to help you implement this stuff. I have uh, uh, two that I work with in my office, and um, uh, I think it's a really valuable asset. Okay. All right. I appreciate your help. Thank you You're so welcome. Much. Have All a right. good day. Bye-bye. All righty, and we've got Scotty who's been on the line here. He's in Largo. Good morning, Scotty. Good morning. How are you? Hi. Great. How are you? I'm 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 well. I'm actually calling uh, about my wife. Um, she recently had a an endoscopy. Um, primarily, uh, she was having some difficulty sometimes if she took her. Uh, meds in the morning uh just swallowing and so uh while she was in for a colonoscopy it was suggested that she also have an endoscopy to see what's going on down there see if possibly it should be stretched or something that that turned out to be negative however uh they've uh diagnosed her with barrett esophagus and gerd um she's primarily um uh well, pescatarian, she eats some fish, but uh, and mostly uh, organic uh, foods, uh, not overweight, uh, leads a healthy lifestyle. Uh, but um, in talking with some friends the other night, it was suggested that that I think Dr. Eve, um, when she was still with us, had uh, uh, steered him towards uh, an aloe product that seem to be somewhat healing. I guess my question is, is uh, other than abstaining from caffeine and chocolate and an occasional glass of red wine, uh, um, 
garlic and onions and all the staples of a vegetarian diet. What else can my wife do to perhaps promote some healing and uh, uh, get over this? Uh, uh, if if there is a, a such a thing as get over it, so I'll let I'll shut up and listen. <laughs> So um, GERD and Barrett's, uh, interesting combination. Uh, GERD is induced by things. Um, I think it's often induced by histamine foods and people that don't tolerate them. So avoiding all those things that you're talking about might be useful, but I think I would look at a low histamine diet. Uh, caffeine would be off that diet. So would tomatoes, avocados, strawberries, fermented cheeses, um, but not necessarily a lot of the vegetables that your wife likes. It needs to be uh, explored a bit. I think it would be helpful. I, for one, don't use proton pump inhibitors in people that have GERD or Barrett's because there's one study from 2014 that showed that proton pump inhibitors may actually cause Barrett's to degenerate into cancer. And so even though they say it's going to help you prevent the GERDs from going into cancer, there's a study that shows that it goes the opposite direction. So I use pro, uh, uh, um, um, famotidine, uh, an antihistamine, an H2 blocker. It's a great way of actually blocking the histamine, reducing the acid, and getting improvement. Changing the diet and following all the instructions for preventing reflux, like not eating late at night, you know, having three hours before you go to bed, um, uh, and 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 avoiding um, uh, triggers like red wine um, and caffeine. Those all are very useful. And I think that um, the supplement you're talking about is called glutalamine. It's from Zymogen. It's it's a combination of glutamine, aloe vera, which has been um, deglycerated, or, or I can't remember. It's, it's demanated. So there's something in there that causes diarrhea. They've taken that one property out. And so it doesn't, it's not got the bitter diarrhea genic property. So it's really soothing for the lining of the gut. There's some licorice in it, which is also very soothing, also deglycerized. So it doesn't cause hypertension. And this combination, I have watched Barrett's actually go away by using it four times a day, every day, before all meals and at bedtime, and uh, doing it for uh, about half a year. It, it might've been a year that time, but it's a really long-term course, and you have to be really diligent about the diet in the meantime. Okay, and that's called glutamine? G-L-U-T-A-L-O-E-M-I-N-E. Okay. And we can get that at the health food store? You should be able to. And um, if not, there are certain pharmacies that uh, carry it. And um, um, you can find a functional medicine doctor that carries it also. Okay. Um, yeah, I had uh, done some looking online. Uh, the, um, uh, the aloe thing, uh, I, I saw the study that, uh, you know, it's helpful in some cases, but uh, it also referenced the... The, the the increased chance of cancer, which didn't seem like a good option. So I appreciate your candor on that. So, yes. Um, uh, all right. I think you've answered my questions. Uh, I was surprised that uh, strawberries was on the list. I hadn't had uh, pineapple and citrus and, and uh, some of those. Citrus is, citrus is on the list. Pineapple is not. Pineapple is, is uh, no. not on the histamine list. Citrus is, though. Okay. All right. Uh, she's been staying away from pineapple since, uh, since this diagnosis as well. So she might be okay to. She might be, but, but I don't believe it's on the list. So go ahead and look and stick with the low histamine list. I think it's a good choice. Okay. All right. I appreciate your help. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you, Scotty. And uh, we've got Gail and Gary on the line, a new Gary. So let's go to Gail. Good morning, Gail. Good morning. 
I have a UTI solution for the person who wrote an email, and I also have a question. We yes. have a friend. We have a friend who unfortunately had a horrible fall and became a quadriplegic, and therefore had um, uh, had uh, devices all around his body to help him stay healthy as healthy as he could be. And he suffered from UTIs constantly and started doing some research and came upon a solution which for him caused him to never have another UTI. And that was to drink one cup of warm water with one teaspoon of cream of tartar dissolved in it every day. My mother, who when she was in her late 80s became a problem child with UTIs constantly to the point where she was going to the hospital, we put her on this regimen. She never had another UTI. That's wonderful. Once again, describe the regimen. It's one cup of warm water or tea, any warm liquid, mm-hmm. and dissolve in that one teaspoon of cream of tartar. It tastes mildly lemonish, sort of like mild lemon flavor. And yes. I'm telling you, it worked like a charm. So it's very interesting. Yeah, that's something to offer to the person who's uh, who was suffering from UTI. My question is I have called in before because I have extreme bruising. Um, Any little tap on a a doorway or a chair or anything, I bruise, and I bleed very easily. I called uh, called in about a year or so ago, and you recommended Biosil. And I started taking the Biosil, and then I noticed all kinds of little extra things growing on my face, little little um, little bits of, I, I don't know. I, I decided that the, bio, the biofill was hurting me. Um, and it didn't seem to be making any difference in the amount of bruising. And it's really extreme bruising. And I know it's called purpurea or purpura. Um, yes. Do you have any other solutions? Vitamin C. How are you doing with vitamin C intake? I, you know, I get it in my multivitamin. How much should I take? Well, if you're having that kind of uh, bruising, I'd say try and get two or 3,000 milligrams a day and see how you do with that. But um, um, uh, bioflavonoids are also very good. Um, Diosmin from Orange Skins. There's a bunch of companies that are making uh, combination uh, 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 vessel care things. Uh, I think Designs for Health has a vessel care, and, and I think uh, Orthomolecular has a vessel pro or vessel max. And, and they're basically combinations of, of different antioxidants like rutin from buckwheat and diosmin from orange skins. And these things are really shown to actually improve. Uh, the one Diovask brand name, I've watched hemorrhoids go away in three days. Huh. And how do you spell that? Um, the... Um, um, well, it's it's antioxidant. So rutin, R-U-T-I-N, diosmin, D-I-O-S-M-I-N. Um, uh, the uh, uh, so look for those two specific antioxidants in formulas, and okay. you will find some good vessel care formulas. Vessel care. All right, I'm going to try that. How long do you think it would be before I could see any sort of improvement? How long should for what you've got, for what you've got, doing higher vitamin C and some some support, I'd say probably three months, maybe sooner. Okay. Great, I'm going to give it a shot. Thank you, Doc. Okie dokie, and Gary has been. This is the new Gary. He's got a question about the long term effect of Advil. Good morning, Gary. 
Hey, good morning, Doc. Love the show. I'm a, I'm a weightlifter in my 60s. And I'm just curious. I probably have to take a, a leave maybe once or twice a week, sometimes just for the stiffness and achiness of uh, joints. Is there any long-term effect to taking the Advil or a leave? A leave. On there a second there, Gary? Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, we are. I'm just doing something here to cover something. And let's see where we go. All right, Dr. Harvey, I believe you're on mute right now. Oh, there it goes. How's that? Much better. And Gary, could you repeat your question, please? Yeah, I'm a 60-year-old weightlifter, and I occasionally take a leave, twice, maybe twice a week sometimes. Is there any long-term effect of taking that just to help me through the workout? So my question was, are you taking any curcumin, fish oil, boswellic acid, or other anti-inflammatories? Oh, yeah. And I've gotten away okay. from everything that is, uh, uh, I even stopped drinking beer just because I, I noticed it was, uh, mostly my problem is my forearms. They just okay. ache. So I think, but I do, I still do a, I still do a workout that would take a 20 year old throw him into a grave if he's not been used to it. So just, <laughs> it just knocks the edge off a little bit. That's all. And I mean, it, it seems like it gets the inflammation down too. It, it does. So intermittent use of something like a leave uh, once or twice a week is generally not harmful for most people. Uh, regular use in larger doses ends up junking up the kidneys, maybe the liver, but you know, uh, your body can usually tolerate small doses infrequently. So once or twice a week, one tablet's not going to be a, a, a big deal. Well, if you read the literature, one tablet could cause a fatal gastrointestinal bleed. <laughs> one tablet, out of the blue, and we have no way to predict it. But in general, what I've seen in 30 years of practice is that people tolerate a leave really well. That's why it's over the counter. Yeah, okay. That's, that's what I wanted to know. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And we're down to just the last couple of five minutes here. So we've got one last caller, Leela. Good morning, Leela. Oh, hi, Dr. Harvey. Thank you so much for being on the air and letting everybody know about natural medicine. I'm You're welcome. I've been Health Foods for the last 28 years. And I wanted to add, just add to what the lady suggested, the cream of tartar, that also you can use cream of tartar in a glass of water, a teaspoon at night before bedtime, to remove the residual nicotine in your system when you're trying to quit smoking. That's an interesting thought. Never heard of that one. I'll have to look that one up. Tartaric acid and nicotine. It alkalizes the body, but cream of tartar, a teaspoon in a glass of water before bedtime, uh, helps to remove the nicotine in the system so that it can help with quitting smoking. And the last caller, uh, the Boswella and a liquid or a soft gel form, is really good yeah. for workout because it's a natural ibuprofen without the side effects. Exactly. That's why I mentioned it. You're on it. Oh, you mentioned Boswell. I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah. And then last but not least, we have a shortage of Adderall, uh, Ritalin, and all these other things for ADHD, which I recommend against using. The oh, yeah. I don't think we have a shortage for it. We, we have an overuse of that and overdiagnosis right. of it. If people actually got rid of the artificial right. sweeteners, right. Uh, sugar, okay. uh, high fructose yeah. corn syrup, and wheat, um, they'd probably yeah. not have as much problem. Yeah, well, we, we had Dr. Marianne Block come here right after 9-11 happened, and she wrote the book, No More Ritalin, No More ADHD. But we right. now know that um, ADHD and all these other uh, diagnoses are actually clinical deficiencies of DHA. So the child would be better served with doing uh, 
soluble DHA. That is one cause, absolutely. Um, DHA, um, brain inflammation from toxins, uh, from food sensitivities. There are so many triggers for having your brain dysfunction. Yeah, and I guess last but not least, pray for us. We're trying to save an oak tree canopy in Brandon. I've been trying to save it for 20 years and let your just, um, your uh, your audience know that they can make a difference. Uh, you know, try to let their county commissioners know that we want to save that canopy of oak trees. It's the last one in Brandon. That's and so important. You need to call into the next show and tell them that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Call yeah, Sustainable call Living. The next show. Exactly. Thank you for all your good work, okay? You're welcome. Have a great day. Um, bye-bye. Okay, thank you there, Leela. And we're down to just a wee bit of time, so if you want to attack some of those emails, go I'll right I'll grab in. one here. Uh, who's this? Lonnie says, hi, are there any homeopathic uh, um, or holistic or natural treatments for DJD? Of course there are. Um, first thing is movement. Uh, when you have degenerative joint disease, you got to move. They'll feel better. Fish oil, um, glucosamine, chondroitin, boswellic acid, um, uh, curcumin, um, uh, lots of things. Uh, even topical capsaicin can help with the pain, um, red pepper extract. And so, yeah, there's so many things you can do for DJD. Um, let's see, what else is going on here? Stepped on a nail two months ago, it healed up, but the pain is returning. There could be something actually in there. You could have injured the the, the fascia. And so the pain uh, could come and go. It depends on how, what kind of uh, injury you're doing to it. If it's swollen and red, it could be infected. But I would consider wearing uh, very good arch support shoes to stop foot pain like that. And we are down to the wire, it seems. And so Indeed. I want to thank you, Bill, and is Irene on the phones today? Yes, she is. She's been wonderful, job. great steward there. Yes, thank you so much, and thanks all listeners for participating. This has been fun as usual, and we're going to continue on with asking me anything next time around. I love it. It's always one of the uh, best hits that we get. The, the people really seem to enjoy par participating in the show. And so, so do I. Well, good. <laughs> it does. It seems like a constant pop quiz for you, and you always ace it. Wonderful. So until next Monday, thank you, Doctor, and thanks to all of our listeners and to Irene. Take care. Stay healthy. Y'all are the greatest. You have been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming right on up is 5 Minutes of NPR News, and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. And until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved. Uh -oh.